Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message. In 2007, I graduated high school, and I was voted most dependable. Now, I tell you that not to brag, although it definitely sounds like that. I tell you that um, because it wasn't true. Um, so much so that when I told my mother who worked at the high school, when she heard it, the first time I saw her after that, she was smiling like this going, like I'm proud of you. I was like, oh, good. Her smile was like that because she just, she didn't see it either. My older sister was a little bit less nice about it um, when she burst out into laughter that I had gotten most dependable. And now that I'm older, I, I kind of get it. Like, I, I was that kid who, if you called our house as a like, okay, for the younger ones in the audience, used to when people would call your phone, it was in your house, and you had to write a little message to other people and leave it for them, right? Well, I was bad at writing messages. Like, people would call and say, hey, listen, like, um, hey, you know, could you, could you have your mom call me? Here's the number. And I'm like, okay, yeah. And I would think, you know what, I've never been able to, like, remember whether somebody's called, much less their number. But you know what, maybe today's the day. It never was the day. Swing and a miss every single time. I was not dependable in that way. Like, yeah, like if you're here, I would be loyal to you. I would do whatever you wanted me to do. I would help you as much as I could. Um, I, you know, I, I was all of those things. But if you're like, hey, Blake, I need you to remember to do this. I, I was, um, whew, yeah, I, I wasn't great at it. Like homework, like, oh, write your homework down and go home. Me and homework had a real complicated relationship because I just wouldn't remember, right? I, and I've struggled with that, with those reminders. And now as I'm older, I have to have reminders everywhere. I have a ton of recurring reminders on my phone over and over again. I have post-it notes all over my office. Uh, at home, I have things to remind me of different things. And um, some of them are, are, are pretty simple. You know, for, for my house reminders, I've got, hey, change your air filter once in a while. Uh, I've got, uh, take your medicine, do your, you know, water your plants, those things. Uh, for work, I've got, hey, make a to-do list. I've got to remind myself to make something to remind myself. Um, hey, do the communication you need to do. Make your videos like... I set reminders for everything. But oftentimes in life, we get where we get in ruts in life to where if we have this thing that we haven't had to remember or maybe we've become so set on one way of life, we forget other things. So maybe you get up and you eat the same thing every morning and you go to the same job and you eat the same lunch because it's convenient and you come home, that you take the same way home, you buy groceries on the same day, you watch the same TV show. Maybe that's your life. We, we, we fall into these ruts and we kind of just kick on autopilot and just kind of roll through life and kind of walk through life and uh, kind of just, just do what we need to do. And we, we forget about other things. We forget about the things that directly aren't in front of us. Matthew, in Matthew 22, when Jesus is asked, hey, um, what is the most important commandment? Teacher, what's the most important commandment? He answers this. Love the, Lord with all your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And again, you know, when we say, you know, heart, soul, and mind, we've all heard that verse. And heart and soul kind of, you know, love the Lord with all your heart, love the Lord with all your soul. Like, those sound a little more poetic. But when we think about it very simply, love the Lord with all your mind, how do we love the Lord with all of our mind? What does that look like? And if, if you're a Christ follower, maybe, maybe you've got a story like this, similar to mine 
where you know the exact moment when you said yes to Jesus. Maybe you were really, really young. Maybe it wasn't until you were an adult. I know exactly when mine was. It was, um, I was 11 years old. I'd went home and uh, my VCR wouldn't rewind. I'm a lot of old references today. Uh, my VCR wouldn't rewind tapes, so I'd have to go to my older sister's room to rewind my tapes so I could watch it. She asked me what I'd learned at church. We began talking, and she led me to the Lord that day. I remember that night very, very well. And you probably have a situation, whether it was a revival or a church camp or maybe just a Sunday morning or maybe a time you were spending with your parents, that you have that moment where you can say, that moment, that moment right there, that was when I said yes. Maybe you'd heard it before, but... It, There was that moment where the Holy Spirit just really spoke and you said, that's the moment where I said yes. Maybe you're one of those people who it was more of a process for you that you just, again, you just walked through it and logically one day you said, yeah, this is the thing I should do. And it was a process. Either one of those is fine and that's great. But we often think about salvation and we think about the gospel as that one moment I said yes. That moment, that moment there, that's when I said yes. And we treat it almost like a driver's license to where, yeah, we, we get it and it's awesome. It's great. I'm pumped. You know, we feel this freedom and independence. But then we just kind of put it in our wallet and we put it in our pocket and we don't really, really ever think about it until we have to, right? Every four years, eight years, whatever it is. That's how we treat the gospel a lot. But it's not like a driver's license, It's tempting for us to say yes to Jesus and then to change our lifestyle based on that yes to Jesus rather than change our lives. So we say yes to Jesus and we start going to church and we build friends and community there and we don't really really talk about God that much to them because, well, they they know everything that I know. And yeah, we, we don't really do necessarily outright bad things together and we have the same convictions, but... Yeah, we're all the same. So why would, I, why would I have to discuss about what God's done or who God is or what he's been doing? And we become comfortable. We become settled. We don't really have our views challenged, and therefore we don't really have to, to, to defend them or argue them back or even share them with people. And I've, I've heard a lot of people, and primarily people, or some people who are older in the faith say, well, man, I've heard every story. We've heard every Bible story, and we've heard it every possible way we can tell it, and we've heard all of it. Well, maybe that's true, but here's the beautiful thing about Scripture and God's Word is that God's Word is new every time we read it. When we read the Bible and we read it intentionally, we, we read it with an open heart and an open mind, God teaches us every single time. I've been extremely blessed that every night we read Calvin Bible stories, and obviously they're simplified because they're meant for a four-year-old. And man, just these stories that I heard growing up and rereading through them and seeing God's grace in them, it's been incredibly encouraging. But the gospel isn't just for a moment. It's not just that one moment and then we put it in our pocket, put it away. The gospel is for every moment. The gospel is for every moment of every day. Jesus said in Luke 9, 32, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take upon his cross daily and follow me. Take up your cross daily. Not take it up one time, not set it and forget it. Daily take up your cross. Daily make a choice. Daily lean into the Lord and what he's doing in you. I've heard people say, and I've heard preachers say that, you know, the gospel is the greatest story ever told. 100%. Absolutely. And it's true. That's what's even crazier. It's true. It's real. It's life-giving. It's invigorating. 
So why would we not want to know it? Why would we not want to learn more about it? We never get to a point where we know everything. It continues to change us. It continues to mold us. And oftentimes we wonder, like, we become stagnant. We become frustrated and just kind of become bored with our faith. Listen, if that's happening to you, that is certainly not God. That is certainly not the Lord who's doing that to you. That is certainly not because God has changed. It's because you have It's a result of our decision to not pick up our cross daily, but to pick up other things, to pick up our own interests, to pick up our own desires, our own wants, and and, and our own loves, and to go with them. No wonder it becomes numb and calloused, and we become, you know, separated and distanced from that when we're choosing other things over our Creator. We're choosing other things over our Savior. Listen, it is not God who becomes distant, it's us. And I'm afraid that oftentimes that we chose to take up the title of Christian rather than take up our cross. That's easy. It's easy to call myself a Christian. It's easy to do, quote, Christian things. It's easy to, you know, lean into some Christian values. It is a very different thing to pick up my cross. It's a very different thing to take part in the sufferings of of Jesus and and to live my life in such a way to honor him in every moment. I could call myself a Christian and not be Christ-like. I could call myself a Christian and not take up my cross. No wonder we become stagnant. No wonder we become numb to it. Uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today. And this, this letter was written to Rome. And at this time, Nero was the emperor. And kind of the thing we know about Nero is that he, was, uh, he persecuted Christians. But this is about seven years before that began. At this time, it was kind of a peaceful time there. And Rome is like this world power. It's the center of the world. And he's writing this book. And again, it's so rich and dense and just theologically good to read through Romans. And he lays down so much of the foundation of the Christian principles that that we follow regularly. How timely of God to write before a time of persecution to have Paul send this letter to them. And by the way, this is the center of the world. So talk about diversity and who who they're talking to and walking with. They're people of every race, every nationality. We're talking about uh, people who were... um, Sailors, tradesmen, soldiers, slaves, anyone you can imagine. All these people are coming together with their own culture and with their own values and with their own thoughts and with um, their own opinions. And Paul is wisely encouraging them to commit to their shared commonality, to their membership of the body of Christ. He's saying, listen, like, this is what's important. These are the things that are important. That's, what, that's, when we read, that's why when we read Romans, we read, um, for all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. He's saying, listen, your culture and what you think about things is based out of sinful principles. Lean into this. Lean into what I'm telling you. Lean into what God has revealed to you into the truth that he's given us. So Romans 12.1. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Now, notice Paul had authority. As an apostle, Paul had a lot of authority. But he's not, he's not applying his authority here. He's not saying, do what I'm telling you because I'm telling you to do it. He says, I urge you. His, his tone is much softer. It's much easier. 
It's an encouragement, not a command. He's, he's blessing them with this. He's saying, listen, like your struggles that you've had, do this. I'm telling you, this is the best way. He's blessing them, not burdening them with this knowledge. And he tells them to be a living sacrifice. That word sacrifice in the original language means an offering to God. And most of the time when we think about like Old Testament sacrifices, we think about atoning sacrifices, mean, meaning that, hey, I'm going to take this lamb, I'm going uh, I'm gonna, to I'm going to symbolically put my sin on it. The priest is going to slaughter it, we're going to kill this, like, and it's a transferal of our sin to this symbolically. This is not an atoning sacrifice that we're doing. We're not working our way to God by doing this because our atoning sacrifice was Jesus. Jesus' sacrifice was our atoning sacrifice, and it was sufficient then, it is sufficient now. It continues to be sufficient. This is not an atoning sacrifice, but rather this is a sacrifice of acknowledgement and an act of thanksgiving to God. And it's not a dead sacrifice. Listen, when, when you would give an animal to be sacrificed, you didn't give that animal and go, well, you know, I might get it back. Nope. <laughs> you, don't, you don't give animals to be sacrificed to get them back. No, those animals were, were slaughtered. Those animals were killed. And what God had commanded to be done with those animals is what happened. You were giving these to God, not as a gift. God doesn't need a gift from you. You were giving it as an acknowledgement and recognition of who God was and who he is. So for us to be a living sacrifice literally means to live as Christ lived, to live for Christ, to live in the way God has called us to. Our pursuit of holiness is a pursuit of what God has told us is best. And this is our true worship. Listen, I, I, love, I love the songs that we sing on Sunday morning. I do. I love that they point us to Jesus. I love that they encourage one another. That's the reason that we sing them. But that's not our truest sense of worship. It's part of our worship, definitely. But rather our willingness to give ourselves sacrificially and humbly to our Creator. Our true worship isn't just a vocal acknowledgement of who God is. But rather, it's a mental, physical, and spiritual acknowledgement of God's abundant love. It's living out that faith It's acting on what God has done for us. It's acting out of acknowledgement and thanksgiving and gratitude for who he is. And whenever we begin to lean into that true worship, whenever we begin to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, we stop chasing our ambitions in exchange for what God wants for us. And here's here's the craziest part. He sees that sacrifice as holy and acceptable. Some translations say holy and pleasing. Think about this. We were once rebellious creatures, right? Every, every kid who is sinful, every kid who's born is sinful. We rebel against our creator. We rebel against the one um, who, who created us. We rebel against our God. We push against it and we fight against it. That's why kids are, are depraved. If you don't know that, spend time with one for a little while. And most of them will inform you very quickly. We are sinful. We are naturally sinful. But when we become Christ followers, we can do what is well-pleasing to God through his grace. Again, it doesn't mean that we're working our way to salvation. We can't do that. But God, in his grace, sees that sacrifice that we're putting forward and sees it as pleasing. 
How beautiful is that? The more that we understand about God, the more we see how prideful we are. You see, the the more you grow in relationship with Christ, the more you see about his love and see about God who sent his son, the more you realize about this, it's like the closer you get, the higher you see God is. The greater you see he is. And the less and less I can allow my pride to dictate my decisions the less I can see that my way has to be right. That what I think is best. I no longer care about my reputation or my glory or my advancement. I begin to care about the reputation of God and his glory and the advancement of his kingdom, first and foremost. When I offer my body as a living sacrifice, I'm actually acknowledging that God's ways are higher than my own. So that's what we are called to do. Verse 2 tells us how we are to do it. It says, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. The the word for uh, conformed to this world, maybe you've heard conformed to this world, but age and world both work really, really well, and it's kind of two sides of the same coin, um, because world... It's much more broad. Like It's kind of, you got the world, and then you've got God. We can conform to either one. I like age, though, because age speaks specifically to where you are right now. It's specific per generation, because each generation has different values, and different, um, and different uh, they have different values, and they have different convictions. And conformed, that word conformed references our outward look. You pour water in a glass, it conforms to that glass. It's what's projected and seen by others. And it says, don't be conformed to the world because if we're expecting God to work through us and to change the world by what he does through us, not by what we do, but by what he does through us, how can we do that if we look like the world? Why would the world listen to me if I look exactly like them? If, I don't, if I'm not showing the world the difference that God makes, why why follow anything that I say? Why, why listen to anything I say? You see, it's dangerous for Christ followers to live according to the current age. It's dangerous for us to allow our own culture to dictate what we think is best. Because culture constantly shifts. In a world where literally at the end of our hands, we have um, the entire access to all of human knowledge through the internet, through our phones, through anything else. Communities, we can find community anywhere. I can find anyone that agrees with me. I can find anyone who says, you're right, Blake. And here's the thing. If I allow my culture, if I allow what I've been told to believe or what I myself have studied to believe, if I allow my culture to actually form what I believe about things and to form what I think is best and what I think is right, I'm sinful. So if I allow it to inform what I think is best and what I think is right, who am I, a sinful person, to tell the person across from me that their culture is wrong? If I only allow my culture to affect me and that's what uh, gives me my values and gives me what I think is good, then who am I to tell the person next to me no? I can't base my convictions strictly off of my culture and what I think is best because I would be living my truth and not God's. 
So there has to be a standard. There has to be a consistent standard. Again, think about Rome. We've got people of all different ages, of races, of nationalities, socioeconomic things. All of these people have their different wants and their different desires. And Paul is telling them, no, all have sinned. So there has to be a higher standard. There must be a constant that supersedes everything else. There must be something that we all can look to. And I don't want it to be made of man because man is sinful. So what is it? It's the Lord. It's our creator. So how do we find that? Well, we have to be transformed. That culture that resides in me, those, those strongly held opinions that I've held on for years, that, that, that insistence on being right, that has to be transformed within me. And that transformation comes from renewal of our mind. Again, it's not a moment, but it's a decision to choose Christ over and over and over again every moment of every day. Because time plus repetition equals renewal, which leads to change. The more we do something, the more we see the benefit of doing that. So in 2000, uh, there was a coin minted. Some of you probably remember this. Uh, the Sacagawea coin, the gold coins. Remember these? That, like, and again, I remember it was kind of crazy because... Uh, like. Like you saw them everywhere, like Coke machines would come out and have like the place where, hey, use this dollar on this. Like it was this big deal and it never caught on. But I remember like, you know, as an 11 year old, I'm like, man, this makes me feel like a pirate to have one of these. This is awesome. We have gold coins now. What? You know, it was, it was amazing. And my, my dad is a big coin person. Like if we ever traveled to like different countries, you just, you don't turn your money in at the end of the day. You just like bring a handful a handful of change from a different country and give to our dad. That's what we do. He loves coins. And I remember he loved these coins. And he got one specifically that he put in his pocket. And he's carried that coin ever since. And it, it looked like this when he started, and now it looks like this. So, again, these are not two pictures stacked on top. This is the front and back. Don't know which one's which. But this is what it looks like. 20 years of it being carried in his pocket. My dad is a heavy equipment mechanic and a fabricator, so he carries a pocket knife. He carries keys. He carries a small screwdriver. He keeps all these things in his pocket. And after years upon years, decades, of him taking it out of his pocket, putting there, it'll get lost in the couch. We find it in the couch. One of my nieces, when they're younger and used to take all of his change, because that's what he let them do, takes it. It's lost for six months. He finds it again. It now looks like this. This didn't happen overnight. This didn't happen after one time of him putting it in his pocket. This didn't happen after, you know, a year. It took over 20 years for it to turn into this. It was that repeating every day the same thing over and over again. It was that putting in the pocket, it interacting with the keys and with the screwdriver and the pocket knife over and over again has formed it into that. You see, the more we do something, the more it changes us. The more we lean into something, the more it changes us, for good or for bad. And the more often that we choose to take up our cross, focus on Christ and what he's done for us, the more we begin to look like Jesus. We have to choose him over and over and over again. And that changes what we end up looking like. That changes who we are. That outward change should be an effect of our inward reality. So when we think about, oh, well, I need to be a better Christian. I need to do this, this, and this. No, no. To, be, to follow Christ closer, to, to come to know Christ more and more, is to give ourselves away to him every day, to choose him every day, to choose him every moment, choose what his best is over and over again. 
And that renewal over and over again of spending time in God's word, of praying, of committing ourselves to him, that renewal leads us to better understand what God wants for us. You see, if we, realize, if we struggle with realizing the will of God, we've got to ask ourselves, why? Why? Why am I not seeing the will of God? Why, why am I not seeing God speak in my life like maybe he once did? Well, ask ourselves, are we giving God our energy? Are we giving him our time? Are we giving him our words? Are we giving him our efforts? Are we, are we really wanting to find out what God's will is? Or are we wanting God to agree with us and to see what he can do for us? Are we asking God to mold us or we ask him to affirm what we want to be? Again, it tells us that once we offer our bodies as a, as a living sacrifice, as we renew our mind, as we continue to grow in our faith, that it helps us discern what is good, what is the good, Perfect will of God. It helps us discern what's pleasing to him. And when we eagerly seek the Lord in prayer and we we spend time in his word, it leads us to desire his will, not ours, because we begin to see our own faults. We begin to see where we mess up and and where, where maybe I can't be trusted in this situation because I believe this. So what does God say about it? I tell students this, you know, there's a reason that when we get on this stage and we preach or whether I'm teaching students upstairs or whatever that is, that I use scripture because my opinions aren't infallible. I'm not always right. I'm not always objective. If you come, if you come to me and you ask me for advice, I, I try to say, you know what, what does God say about this? What is God calling us to do with this? and we begin desire the will of God more than our own will, he's faithful to show us his will. He's faithful to show us who he is. He's faithful to show us what he has called us to do, what he wants us to do. Now, listen, I want to be very clear. There may be times where God is teaching us patience or whether he's leading us through a time to where he's allowing us to be frustrated. There are going to be those times, but we're still called to lean into him. We're still called to seek him. It's a complete difference than the absence of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. It's a complete difference of, well, you know what, God, just tell me what to do. Well, have you tried reading the word? No. Okay. Have you, have you prayed about it? Eh, not really. Okay, then, so you're expecting God to speak to you when you're not willing to speak to him, when you're not willing to spend time with him. You want God to commit to you when you won't commit to him. We have to renew that sense of urgency, that sense of need for the Lord. So I want to ask you, and I want us to all think about this. What is shaping your mind? What shapes your mind? What shapes the way you think, the way you process? Are we putting those reminders in our lives to constantly point us to Christ? Are we dedicating time and effort to grow closer to the Lord? Are we taking up our cross and presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice? Are we trying to do that? Are we, again, you're not going to be perfect. Let me just get that straight. You're not going to be perfect. But remember what it said, that God finds that pleasing when he sees your efforts, when when he sees you truly committing to him. 
Are we making that decision to take up our cross daily? Better yet, are we reminding others, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, to take up their cross daily? Do we ever brag on who God is and what he's done for us to our friends, both, both the Christ followers and those who aren't Christ followers? Do we talk about how good God is? Do we take opportunity to encourage each other through God's word, or are we actually taking a moment to pray with people when they ask us to pray for them? I, I can tell you, I, I'm, I'm not nearly as good as this as I want to be, but I've, I've tried to do this more and more, that if somebody says, hey, pray for me, to actually take that moment and say, well, let me pray for you now. Again, I need reminders. So in that moment, I want, I want to not only fulfill that, but I also want them, hey, I am praying for you. This is real. Let me pray for you now. Are we praying with one another? Are we sharing each other, sharing with our spouses what God's teaching us? Are we taking time to pray with and for one another? Parents, this is a big one I'm passionate about because I love students. Parents, are we showing our kids what's important? Are we reminding them of who God is? Do our kids ever see or hear us talk about who God is and what he's done for us? Do they, yeah, they, they see our enthusiasm for our favorite teams and they see our, our pride that we have when we get a new car. Maybe, you know, maybe you're hunting, whatever you're into. They see our enthusiasm and their pride and our excitement for that. But do they ever hear us talk about the goodness of God? The importance of him, the importance of recommitting ourselves to him. Are we reminding them of who their Savior is? Are we reminding them of who God is and what he's done for them? Or just, hey, make sure you get your chores done, homework, practice. Make sure you get those things done. Are they hearing us pray more than just at meals or open our Bible more than just when we come on Sunday mornings? Are we encouraging our kids to, to tithe and give back to God what he's blessed them with? Or just... Put it in your safety or your safety deposit box, not piggy bank, whatever it is. What are we, are we teaching our kids what's important? Yeah, sure, we can say it's important. I, I tell you, I, I can say it's important all day. I can say it's important until I'm blue in the face to my kid. I could say that to Calvin all the time. But if Calvin doesn't see me living that out, why would he ever think it is? Yeah, they say it, but do they do it? Are we truly committing ourselves to the Lord? Are we reminding ourselves of how good God is? Are we taking that time to remind ourselves of not just the stories, but the realities of Scripture and the realities of what Christ has done for us and the realities of God's steadfast love, His goodness, how much He loves not only us, but how much He loves you, how much He loves our friends, our neighbors? Are we reminding people of that? It's hard to remind people of that when we're not even taking steps to remind ourselves. And that's my prayer for us today, church. My prayer for us today is that we live in a state of reminder, of, of reminding ourselves of who God is. If you're feeling, if you're feeling stagnant, if you're feeling um, like, you know, maybe, you're, maybe you feel bored with your relationship with the Lord, listen, I, I can tell you, once again, that is not God. That is not God's desire for you to be bored with his relationship because nothing about God is boring. Nothing about our creator is boring. Nothing about him is simple or easy. Are we calling ourselves Christians or are we living like Christ lived? I want you to bow your heads and I want you to pray in this moment um, I want you to ask God 
what is, what is shaping your mind? Are you renewing your mind to Christ? Are you renewing your mind um, daily to him? Are you taking up your cross? Again, we, we, those ruts are easy. Listen, I understand those ruts are easy. It's so easy to just kind of get in a constant and say, you know what, this is life. This is what it is. Um, th- this is how I'm, this is what God's calling, or this is what I'm, is best for me. It's easy to fall into those. But what if we committed ourselves to making sure that we're putting reminders in our lives? I'm, I'm telling you, I told you this earlier, but that hourly reminder of one passage of Scripture for a week has, has flipped me on my head this week. That memorization of that has, has, has turned the way I'm thinking, has turned the way that, um, that I've, I've thought because every single hour I'm getting that reminder of, hey, choose the Lord. Choose to be a worker who has no need to be ashamed. Choose to present yourself to the Lord. Choose Him in every hour. Choose God. Choose the Lord in this moment. Maybe it's us taking our Bible and, and again, this, this may seem silly to you, but hear me out. Maybe it's taking our Bible and we put down our, uh, our television remote and maybe it's taking our Bible and putting on top of it as a reminder that in this moment I have a choice. I have a choice between God's word or just the same old rut. Maybe for you it's, uh, and again, this may seem silly, but maybe for you it's, it's post-it notes on a mirror on your dashboard, what, whatever that is. And that may seem crazy and you say, Blake, that shouldn't be necessary. Maybe it shouldn't, but we live in a world full of distractions. And we can say all we want to. Oh, I, I, can, I, can, I can push past it. I can be more disciplined. You can say that all you want to. But how much easier is it when we constantly remind ourselves of who God is and what he has done? God is good. God loves us. God wants what is best for you. His best for you. Not what your best is. His best. So just take a moment and pray. Ask God to to give you that drive, to give you those reminders. Commit to setting up those reminders for yourself, whether it's on your phone, whether it's, uh, again, post-it notes, whatever, whatever works for you. It's not dumb if it works. Father, I pray for everyone here, Lord. I pray for myself, God, to, to be reminded of who you are. Be reminded of what you've done for us, Lord. And um, God, whether it's a, it's a season of difficulty um, or a season of joy, whether it's a time in life where maybe we have more time than we used to, or God, maybe it's the busiest time of our lives. Lord, I pray for us as we, as we talk with others, whether it be our, our spouse or our friends or our kids or our classmates or whoever that is, God, I pray that you just remind us of who you are. us of who you are. And God, may we remind others. May we remind each other as members of the body of Christ. May we pray intently, not praying in such a way that just is, is you know, repeating what we always pray, but God, but actually praying intentionally, praying knowing who you are, praying knowing that you're faithful, to pray knowing that your goodness 
is, is good, that your goodness is abundant, that God, we don't deserve any of it, Lord, that our pride is just that, it's our pride. Don't let us let our culture affect what we do. Don't let us be satisfied with just what we think. Well, that's who I am, that's what I think, and it is what it is. No, Lord, we're sinful, we're broken. We have, our, we have our, own, our own preferences. God, wreck those preferences. Wreck our culture. Wreck what we've always thought. And may we build our worldview out of your word, out of who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, push us out of our comfort zones. Push us out of what we've always thought was, was right if it's not right. And God, if it is right, then Lord, help us recommit. Help us double down. And Lord, I pray that in everything we do, we glorify you first and foremost. Your glory, not ours. Your reputation, not ours. Your name, not ours. I ask these things in your name. Amen. Church, have a wonderful week. We love you. We're praying for you. Encourage others. Remind others of who God is. And have a great week. If you need help finding or taking your next step, Send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.